For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Yeah, I mean, I'm clearly very comfortable sharing it, even to the point of almost losing my whole business over it. You know, I, I made that decision and I'm a single mom. I got four kids. I've got a team. Like it was a heavy decision. I didn't take this decision lightly. I really thought about it. And I was like, for me, when it came to the point that they were going to start mandating vaccine passports to basically be able to go anywhere in public, that's when I was like, okay, this matters to me more than my business. Like literally I will figure something else out. I will train people in person at my house or something, but like it matters that much to me. I'm willing to lose access to my entire community. And I've got, you know, 50,000 on Instagram, 200 something thousand on TikTok, but I'm like, no, I'm going to speak up. What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty, physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Man, I'm doing as good as anyone can do getting buried by his 13-year-old son on leg day. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize for not being on this podcast because I got to go see Metallica. So if that's a problem, kiss my ass. Okay? Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, everybody, I've been looking forward to this conversation for a little bit now. I saw Miss um, Tara Garrison here on High Intensity Health, and uh, ever since then, I can't get enough of her. She's a ball of just positive energy. So, uh, Tara, how are you doing? Good. Thanks for having me. Excited to dig into whatever we're going to get into today. Thanks for joining us, guys. <laughs> of course. Well, we got a lot to get into. So, uh, real quick, just give uh, my audience a brief introduction to yourself and who you are. Okay, sure. So currently, who I am right now, <laughs> it's been a journey getting here. I do holistic health coaching. So it's health and life coaching. I hate the term life coaching. So it pains me to say that, but it gives people an idea. It's like mindset is like what I like to say, but we dive into all areas of someone's life because I have to. <laughs> I think diving only into someone's health is really a disservice. I, I went into mindset and personal development coaching out of sheer necessity so I could get people results, right? So I do um, on the health end, that's how I started was training and then nutrition and then getting really into biohacking, keto, metabolic flexibility, bringing cars back in. So I have a book called Short-Term Keto. I am kind of like the a uh, rebel of the keto community because I'm very pro carbohydrate for the right person at the right time. You know, I'm, I'm not, I cannot stand dogma. Um, so that is me. It's like, let's be level-headed about this instead of being right, you know? Um, and then I have a podcast that's called the Inside Out Health Podcast. I also host retreats that are health and life optimization retreats. So it's a little bit about me. Nice, nice. Um, I want to tell you my story and I'll try to keep it as brief as possible. And I want you to tell me if you've seen this with the other clients and probably people who listen to this podcast are probably sick of me telling my story, but I, I just want to hear your thoughts surrounding it. So I did carnivore for about two and a half years and um, I would be good for a week, but then I'd binge. I'd be good for a week and then I'd binge. Um, good for a week or two, I'd make all sorts of progress, feel really good, and then I'd binge, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then after two and a half years, I lost like 70 pounds at most. And it fixed digestive issues, depression, all sorts of other issues, but yeah. I just couldn't get away from binging. So then um, eventually I decided, all right, well, I'm going to start tracking. I'm going to use carbon diet coach. And then I'm going to start reintroducing carbohydrates. And now I'm about a year into that and I'm as happy and as healthy as I possibly could nice. be. My weight is much, much more stable. Awesome. And um, I, I find that my relationship with food overall is a lot better. And I don't feel guilty when my fiance and I go out to eat and yeah. we both enjoy a piece of cheesecake or something. So um, part of the reason I wanted to bring you on is because you speak against a lot of the keto dogma. So um, I, I guess what are your thoughts surrounding <laughs> my brief story there? And do you see that with a lot of clients? 
Oh yes. Um, there's a, so there's a kid's movie, Megamind. I have four kids, so I've seen this movie like hundreds of times. Right. And there's a point where the two main guys are arguing with each other. Right. And, um, this news reporter chick says, girls, girls, you're both pretty. So that's how I feel about like all sorts of dietary approaches. I'm like, <laughs> keto's great. Carbs are great. Carnivore's great. All the things are great it, for the right person at the right time, you know? And so the reason I, even started talking about, uh, bringing carbs back in after keto is because of all the dogma I was seeing. I was, you know, pretty early on in the keto space. And so when I would go to conferences, like the keto conferences, I would have, this is in the height of the keto frenzy, like 2018, it was really big in 2018. And I had already started reincorporating carbohydrates and was getting really amazing results with that. And then I would have these people come up to me at conferences and be like, I have tried everything. I've tried like no carbs at all. I've tried more fibrous veggies. I've tried not what not lifting weights, lifting weights, you know, walking, like also everything that I would try within the keto realm, right? Like they've tried higher protein, less protein, more fat, less fat, like all these things. And I, it happened three times at this one conference. It was all women. And I said, have you tried reincorporating carbohydrates? And they looked at me like stunned, right? Like, like I always say, like I swore in church or something like, what did you just say? Oh, uh, awkward. You know, <laughs> I was like, okay, hold on a second. So yeah. So I, I started talking about more of the concept of metabolic flexibility and why are we doing keto? And it, are you really metabolically healthy if you can't eat carbs? Mm -hmm. You know, and so I started, I created a program called Keto In and Out, talking about metabolic flexibility. And I started attracting a lot of clients like you in that, in that transition phase, right? Where nobody was talking about online. Everybody's keto account was how amazing keto was. And I love keto, blah, blah, blah. And then I'd be getting working on the inside with people. And then like, how often do you binge? all the time, you know, like no one's like, Oh, I'm here's my keto lifestyle. And I just binged on every junk food there is last night. I'm not going to talk about that part, you know? Yeah. So very common. Um, a lot of it is like the mindset around it. So I love to talk about that because if you're doing something like carnivore, which good for you, you know, it's a tough thing to stick with for a lot of people, <laughs> you know, you're a human being, um, but you did the work and you healed so much in your body. And now you're in this place of more metabolic flexibility because you did that. So well played, you know, and I still use carnivore as an intervention, mostly with SIBO clients, right? So really bad gut dysbiosis. It's like, okay, let's just stop feeding the forest fire for a little while. And then we'll go back into a healing, you know, integrating things, healing the gut lining and all that. But yeah, it's super common. Nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody's going to post on their Instagram about how they drove to a gas station and binged on donuts the night before. They're not going to talk about that. They're going to talk about how they're, they're going to post their steak and eggs, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but it is incredibly common. And I love to humanize it that way. And the mindset shift, that I like to talk about in terms when you're doing a restrictive diet, because keto is definitely restrictive. Carnivore is really restrictive, you know, um, is keeping yourself in a place where you constantly are reassuring yourself and know that you can eat whatever you want. I tell my clients, I'm like, you can have, you can have five dozen donuts right now. Go get them, go get them. You know, because when you remember that you can have whatever you want, the inner child, the little inner rebel doesn't come out saying mean mommy or mean daddy won't let me have all the things that I want to eat. And I just want them, you know, all this yeah. inner rebel stuff comes up. But when you know that you can have whatever you want, you're like, okay, I just needed to know that. What do I want for myself? Well, I'm healing my gut right now. I'm healing my body. I'm changing my life. So I'm going to choose this and I'm good. I'll drink some water, get some salt in and I'll get past this, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, restrictive diets are sometimes a very useful approach for people. Like for you, it was a very useful approach. Keto, I mean, countless, countless stories of changing people's lives. There also has to, we have to keep in mind that we're not getting into a restrictive mindset with mm -hmm. our restrictive diet. We have to remember that we can eat whatever we want. We're choosing this to heal ourselves. So I think that's an important distinction to make in our own psyches as we're going through an approach like that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I've, I talk with people about this all the time and I did do a podcast called keto cure all and it, it's or low carb cure. -all, I think it was called and I put a question mark and I kind of dove into some of the studies regarding weight loss, ketogenic diets. And what I try to impart upon people is that this is a tool in the toolbox, right? Fasting is a tool right. in the toolbox. Um, when you go on these insanely restrictive diets and then you keep saying carbs are bad, carbs are bad, carbs are bad, and I'm never going to have carbs again. Then mm -hmm. once again, like you said, it's like the child, eventually you're going to rebel. So, and once again, I saw this with myself and I try to tell people like, look, 
why don't you just try to be a little bit more relaxed about this? And they say, oh, well, as soon as I have carbs, it's just a binge fest. Well, what your body is telling you, you need to listen, is that you're not eating enough. So maybe if you incorporate a little bit of carbohydrates, you could still have all the fattier foods that you want, but maybe incorporate some of that stuff every here and there, maybe a little bit throughout the week, maybe once a day, just to kind of get to your goals still. But if you just completely cut it off at the knees and then say that this is the forbidden fruit, then as soon as you get just that little taste, then it's game over. And, you know, I already broke one rule, so we might as well go full throttle. Yeah, yeah, it's the, uh uh-huh, I already had... A little bit of extra car, so I might as well go all the freaking way. And that is the hallmark of a restrictive mindset with food. Right. That is what creates all binging, all disordered eating patterns in regards to overeating to the point that you're, it all starts with that is the restrictive mindset. And that's why I, you know, I, no offense to some of my colleagues I know personally who are, you know, car- big in the carnivore community, but I really struggle when they say things like, I, I really struggle when they say things like I'm a carb addict. I'm a carbaholic. So I have to refrain from carbs like alcohol. Uh, alcoholics have to refrain from alcohol. And to me, I'm like, look at that mantra you're saying to yourself. You're you're saying to yourself that you are addicted to that thing. And when I hear these things like sugar's more addictive than cocaine and heroin and all this stuff, I'm like, you explain to me what then why I can have sugar sometimes and I don't feel like that. You explain to me why lots of people can have a little bit of carbs or sh- sugar and they don't feel like that. Explain that to me. And And to me, a lot of it boils down to mindset. If you are saying that you can't, 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 can't have carbs, you got to refrain. They're holding power over you. It's a weird relationship with food. I don't appreciate it at all. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be totally just blunt. Like I really don't appreciate that kind of messaging. I'm like, it's good to do interventions like carnivore or keto when necessary. They can be very healing tools. But when it comes with this added carbs are bad, carbs are trying to kill you, they're inflammatory. It's like we're leaving out so much of the picture. You know, we're leaving out like, for example, the carb, the reactive oxygen species, the inflammation that people talk about like with carbs. Well, a lot of people can handle that just fine. It's actually necessary process in your body that triggers glutathione, endogenous antioxidant release, and you're fine. You know, but if you're super inflamed and your gut is dysbiotic and you have leaky gut and autoimmune issues with certain foods, then yeah, you're not going to want to eat those. But my thing is like, your body will tell you that. I, I say that to my clients all the time. I'm like, they're like, every time I eat this, I get super bloated and diarrhea. I'm like, so do you need me to tell you what your body's telling you or can, <laughs> I don't really say it like that bratty, yeah. but I'm just like, Hey, what's your body telling you right now? And they're like, ha ha, I got it. Okay. Okay. You know, but it's truly, it's like, you don't need me to tell you that your body already told you that, you know, but getting to a place where honestly, you're like listening to your body and not having preconceived judgments. Like, Oh, if I eat a little teeny bit of gluten, I, I heard on a podcast that every single person has gluten intolerance. So I'm going to get sick. You can manifest that in your body. Truly, you really can. That is what the biology of belief by Dr. Bruce Lipton is completely based on. That's what the placebo effect is. So I sometimes I feel like we have a disconnect. We know the placebo effect is real, mm-hmm. yet we don't realize that if we're telling ourselves that the food we're eating are bad, 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 we don't think we can manifest that biologically in our bodies. We can, and there's plenty of evidence for that. So I like to tell teach my clients to be really neutral. And it's like, you ate Brussels sprouts and your body freaked out and hated it. And you were in so much pain and you had headaches and you slept bad that night. Like that's just information from your body. Like listen to it, you know, but if you ate, let's say a bagel, God forbid, like that is bad food, right? That's a bad thing to eat is what we hear on the internet, right? Let's say you ate a bagel and like literally nothing happened. You were fine. Clearly your body is able to handle that, you know? Um, I think sometimes we get in too deep into this, well, you're creating low-grade inflammation and everything's fear-focused. And it's like, mm, to me, I believe that if I am in a healthy place with my body, I'm listening to my body, I'm building relationships, I'm spending time in nature, I'm reducing overall toxin load, I'm working out with intensity every day, I'm doing mindset work, breath work, meditation, you know, I'm living this very healthy lifestyle and I eat a bagel and nothing bad happens, I'm not going to sweat it for a freaking second. I'm not going to get all locked into this mindset that it's like killing me slowly. Like I think that kind of belief system is what creates worse health outcomes than just being able to go with the flow and actually just listen to whatever your body's saying and go with that and move on and go be happy and go for a walk and spend time with your kids and whatever. Yeah. Well, (laughs) I, I really like that you dive into mindset as much as you do, because one thing that I've kind of thought about, especially when it comes to, let's say going a meal off the plan is that, okay, is this your highest quality of life in the moment? 
And that's what really should be focused on. Like, okay, well, your highest quality of life in the moment might be staying on the meal plan throughout the week. And then let's say it's a birthday. Let's say it's a wedding date or, you know, this weekend, my fiance and I are going down to Ocean City, right? We're going to enjoy some margaritas. We're going to have some junk food. Now, I'm not going to go completely balls to the walls and just binge the entire weekend, but we're going to enjoy ourselves because that's going to be the highest quality of life. Can you speak to how much you find that mindset um, helps you and your clients, because that's what I hear you focus on a lot. I think it's very, very important. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I always say my, my coaching is a hundred percent mindset and then we do some cool biohacking and health stuff also, <laughs> mm-hmm. but you know, um, so for me, like, it's all about staying connected to yourself, staying connected to your higher self, being able to have those and your body and having those internal moments with yourself of like being good with the decisions that you're making and understanding how you're going to feel after I like to call it 10 o'clock Tara. So let's say I'm at a restaurant (laughs) situation and everybody's getting drinks. I have a moment with myself where I'm like, is it worth it to me to have a drink with these guys? And maybe, you know, how am I going to feel about that decision 10 o'clock tomorrow morning while I'm just moseying around doing whatever? Like, am I going to be like, why did I do that? Or am I going to be like, no, that was worth it to me. That's, you know, I'm, it's an alignment. And so having that moment with yourself where you're choosing like you are recognized because you're choosing anyway, but you are being good with yourself and the decisions that you're making. It's like, you can't go wrong if you have that anchor. So like the worst thing in the world to me, the most tragic thing in the world is when people, um, they get into this powerless place of, Oh, forget about it. I don't care anymore. I'm just going to eat all these things. And the next day they hate themselves. Mm. You know, that is hell. I think anybody I've had, I've had a lot of weight loss too. And I've been that person, you know, it's horrible. It's like, why did I do that? Oh, I'm so mad at myself and all this stuff. And that ends when you take all the restrictions off, you stop outside in thinking and you start inside out thinking it's like how do I want to engage in this moment and I am choosing this I am choosing right now and I've thought about how I'm going to feel about it later and I'm good with this decision and that's where you're at right now like it's you know it's Tuesday we're recording this you're you already you're already have made a solid decision for yourself that with your fiance like that's what you're going to do when you're good with it you know and I think that's that's really what it boils down to even with like the goal setting and the mindset work that we do um What's going on, guys? Um, We're going to take a quick break from the show to tell you about these show sponsors and the way that you can support me and this podcast. Um, I'm sponsored by Axe and Sledge. Won't really focus in here, but uh, right here in my hand, I have their um, the grind, which is essential amino acids and hydration. Um, feel free to check it out. Um, this is your mom's sweet peach. They have some awesome flavors and awesome names. They also have multivitamins, fat burners, creatine, beta alanine, um, all sorts of different supplements to help you get all jacked and tan and help you become a person more full of uh, liberty and health as this show is about. So um, if you want to support me and support this podcast, then feel free to go to axandsledge.com and check out um, all their great supplements there and use code Matovic10, that's M-A-T-O-V-C-I-K-1-0 at checkout for a little discount and to let them know I sent you their way. All right, everybody. Thanks. Now back on to the show. What I have found is that most people possess something that I call bad high school football coach syndrome. And what that means, my son plays football, he's 14, almost 15. And, you know, there's always those coaches, there's the really excellent coaches that are like honest with the boys, they're good teachers. And then there's those coaches that are really passionate, but they lose it all the time. Mm -hmm. They're just like, do you want to lose? You know, it's just very like beat you down, yell at you. What were you thinking? Look where you're going. That mentality. That's how most people relate to themselves. I've learned. Truly. And they think that that is the only path to motivation. They're afraid to let go of that because they're like, if I let go of being hard on myself, then I will become a loser. I'll be 600 pounds. I'll have Dorito crumbs all over my chest, watching TV, never leave my house. That's what's going to happen to me. Like I'm exaggerating, but truly like deep down, it's if I don't keep doing this to myself, I'll become a loser. And so what I shift into with people is Instead of even, I don't like the phrase accountability coach. I hate that. When somebody tells me they want me to keep them accountable, I'm like, oh, I don't work like that. I mean, we have a lot of systems in place, but that's not the energy I'm going to be in with you. I'm going to ask you what you want. You're going to declare what you want. And then we're just going to see how it goes. And we're going to troubleshoot from there. How do you make commitments to yourself? Do you say, I'm going to run a marathon this week? 
Do you say, I'm going to read 150 pages of a book tomorrow? Do you make these unrealistic goals because they sound good in the moment and then beat yourself up when you can't achieve this impossible standard, right? So um, on our quote unquote accountability calls with my clients, so my clients are one-on-one, but we also are in a group together twice a week on Zoom calls. Um, we call it wants and wins. So it's, I would just say something like, hey, Kyle, what do you, what do you want to do this week? All right. Instead of saying, Kyle, what do you want to be held accountable for this week? Do you feel the energy shift there? (laughs) It's huge. Mm -hmm. It's like, I want to be held accountable for, you know, making an appointment to talk to so-and-so about my, you know, financial finances. It's just like, it it feels like this chore, this job. And like, I'm going to be publicly humiliated. If I don't do this thing that I said I would do, I'm going to look like a loser. Instead of what do you want to do this week? I want to call this guy. I can't tell you how much my accountability compliance has gone up since I changed it to want, right? So little things like that. Um, it's really, truly the work that I'm doing with people is helping them get in touch with themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> like I'm not going to tell them what to do with their business or, you know, their relationships. I'm just going to ask a lot of questions and it's like, okay, what's under the surface here, you know, and getting, when you get more aligned with yourself, you know, and you stop beating yourself up and putting all these pressure on yourself. And it just comes into this higher self place of this is what I want. And this is what I'm doing. And if I don't, then I'm going to troubleshoot that. I'm going to take a look at it, see what's going on there. And then, okay, have compassion on myself, move forward, readjust, and let's keep going, you know, and that place, man, that place leads to, um, freedom. The place leads to freedom for people. You know, it's like, there's no more mommy or daddy telling you you have to be this person and you got to prove your value and all this stuff. It's just, this is what I want for my life. And this is what I'm doing. And I'm willing to take a look at myself with compassion and do whatever needs to be done to kind of shift some of these mindsets in a self-loving and self-honoring way. So, uh, yeah, well, I think that's a really beautiful way to coach people because you want to develop people that can kind of work for themselves, right? You don't want exactly. to develop people who need you because when you need somebody else to be accountable, that means that you haven't developed the behaviors to, you know, do what you need to do by yourself, right? So I find that that mindset of, okay, well, I'm not going to shame you. I'm not going to finger wag you. I'm going right. to give you the tools to be the better person, right? Because you can't be the one to make the change for them. They have to do that, but you can guide them or kind of explain to them what behaviors they need to manifest to work towards there. And when they fail, it's not, oh my God, look how terrible you are. It's okay. Well, what can we do to turn this around or work towards something a little bit more positive? Yeah, I think the version of coaching that most people see on social media <laughs> is like, it's a disrespectful energy, right? Like it's this, like, I- I'm your boss and you're going to do whatever I say. And you have to be scared to get on a call with me and, you know, d- hide that you drank a bunch of alcohol last night. And don't tell me that you ate a bunch of Oreos and like just this fake stuff. But there's most excellent coaches, in my opinion, are not that way at all. It's like, Hey, listen, I don't care. I'm not judging you. I'm here to help you find solutions. So if you're binging on Oreos, something's wrong and I can help you find a solution there, you know, and it's, it's more of a supportive role of I'm in this with you and I respect you. That's the biggest thing is like, I do respect my clients. They're all amazing people. They're amazing people. I'm like, I would never come at you like that, you know? And so I think that it's important, you know, when we're in any sort of, I have coaches all the time, I work with people who I can tell it's a, it's an energy of mutual respect and solutions, right? I'm bringing my gifts to the table. You're bringing your gifts to the table and together there's synergy, you know? So I think it's an important thing to keep in mind when you're in a coaching um, environment. It's like, I tell people all the time, I'm like, you, you're, you don't have to do any of this stuff, you know, like you're paying me to be here. I'm here to support you all I freaking can at the end of the day. Like, I'm just here to put the power back in your hands and, and listen to you and help you problem solve until you're clear with you on what you're, where you're going and how you're showing up in life. And it's, it's a beautiful energy, you know, a true coaching is a very, um, an energy and environment of mutual respect and trust and, uh, solutions oriented, um, relationships. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of goes back to the binging behavior we were kind of talking about earlier, where if you come down authoritatively on somebody and just (laughs) hammer the living shit out of them, then eventually they're going to go off and rebel. And then they're not going to want to have that same relationship of mutual respect for you. Um, Mm -hmm. One thing I also wanted to get your opinion on that I found that helps a lot of people and actually helped me a lot, um, deloads and maintenance weeks. Um, Nobody ever talks about this. I feel as much as they should. When it comes to weight loss, I mean, there's 
abundant science now to tell us that when you take a week off to stay at caloric maintenance or you do a deload for um, you know, your training for the week, then you can actually maintain a higher metabolic rate knowing that you're going to reduce some of the fatigue that comes inherently with weight loss and dieting. Um, what does that look like? And do you incorporate that for your clients? Yeah. So the way I deload quote unquote is a little bit different. Um, so what I do is I run people through the three principal forms of resistance training. There's three different stimuli that I like to hit. And when you're going on one of the stimuli for an entire month, you're kind of deloading the other stimuli during that time. So for example, the first one is muscular endurance. So that's important. You want to be able to have your muscles be able to perform for, you know, long, more volume, mm -hmm. right? Because if all you ever do is heavy strength work, like three uh, squats, three heavy squats, and you're done, you know, you do your one max and you walk out, you know, like you're, you don't have muscular endurance, right. your nervous system's real strong, but we want to be able to have that. So that's higher volume, higher reps, supersets, that kind of stuff. The second one is strength. Like mm -hmm. I just mentioned. So that's lower reps and low in sets and more rest intervals. And that's all about the nervous system. Strength is all about the nervous system. Women, if you're listening, we're notorious for not wanting to do strength work. And it's really important because you're increasing your nervous system connection to your muscles, right? So like if you're, you know, if an advanced lifter, if I say, okay, walk in there, do a couple little warmups and then boom, we're going to go into heavy squats. Like most people can't do that. They don't have the nervous system connection to get there. So that's usually like the last stimuli that I hit with people and a stimulus that I hit with people. And then the other one is hypertrophy, which is your basic, you know, three sets of eight to 12 reps. It's pretty typical for hypertrophy, which is muscle growth. Right. And so I like to take people through those different stimuli so, you know, your nervous system's getting a break or when you're doing your nervous system training, your musc muscle, muscular repair, muscle recovery is getting a break from having to go so hard. So that's kind of how I do that. Um, I also do a system in my coaching called neurotyping. This comes from Christian Thibodeau. Um, he's up in Quebec. Uh, Christian is great. He's like main contributor to T Nation forever. Um, it is amazing to be mentored by him and do his certification on neurotyping. And what this means is you take a personality test because the best way to see somebody's baseline, you know, typical neurotransmitter balance is through personality. Cause I bet you, if you took our neurotransmitters, like physically right now, they'd be really different. Cause we're on a podcast and when we're going to sleep tonight. Right. Oh. So, um, so through personality, we can see if somebody tends to be more sensitive to dopamine or adrenaline, GABA, glutamate, serotonin, these are the things we're testing for. And I also train people according to that. So that's a really fun thing. I just thrown out there. If anybody wants to geek out on it, he has a bunch of stuff on YouTube. It's mm -hmm. Tib Army, T H I B Army.com. And then I have a link on my Instagram profile. If anybody, ever wants to take that test. So that's another thing I'm incorporating because, and I bring that up because let's say we take somebody who is uh, dopamine dominant, really dopamine dominant. Christian calls this a one a, okay. So these guys have, um, I, the typical picture character I like to give is like a, a football linebacker. He's like, he tells it like it is nobody tell me my business. He's super freaking strong, right? Like he just goes in and he's like, I can mm. just deadlift 300 pounds. Like, cause you know what I mean? They're, they're very connected to their nervous system. They have a high capacity for nervous system recovery, right? But you take somebody who is on the opposite end of that spectrum, a type three, who is not very connected to their nervous system. And if you train them the same way, like I take a type three and I'm trying to do all these heavy nervous system strength workouts, they're going to tank. They're not going to be able to recover from those workouts well, right? And then the twos have really high muscular components, so I can run them into the ground, right. you know, from a muscular component. So there's lots of things I'm taking into consideration with training, but for the typical person, rotating through different stimuli is great. Also, yeah, like when it flows, this is how I do, um, uh, I call it intuitive training. <laughs> sometimes I, I go to the gym every day. I go to the gym pretty much every day, but sometimes I get in there and I'm like, nah, definitely not feeling like a weightlifting workout. And I've trained, you know, I've worked on this over the years of being in tune with my body and I'll just walk uphill on the treadmill, you know, emails, connect with my team, maybe post something on social and I just go home. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's important. I, I always encourage that in my clients. I'm like, I don't know if you had like some horrible, stressful thing the day before and you didn't get any sleep and maybe you drank alcohol and you just didn't tell me. And then you're trying to go in there and do a heavy leg day when you're all inflamed and like have horrible <laughs> energy levels. Mm -hmm. Don't do it. Don't do it. Just walk or just walk, just walk. And then you, you will get some good sleep and you'll be so much better off going that way. So that's another thing is like, it's okay 
to take it. It's smart. It's smarter to take a day off when you feel like you can't even see straight because you're so under recovered, you know? Um, and then what was your other thing that you asked about? I got off so many tangents. Oh, no, that's okay. Yeah. Maintenance. maintenance and do you mean, what do you mean by maintenance and nutrition? Yeah. Um, so like, I guess it depends on where somebody's at, right? So if somebody's like right now, they're in like a fat loss phase and, you know, or a muscle building phase, they're being very strategic about their, the progress that they're making in that phase. I don't really encourage, uh, thinking about it like a maintenance week. If you want to take a week off of tracking, I encourage people to try to mimic what you've been doing already without tracking mm -hmm. and see how that goes. Right. Because sure. it's, it, it's while there can be a mental break, I, what I, what I worry about is that people aren't building sustainable lifestyle habits. You know, one yeah. of the things I learned going from 175 pounds and probably almost 40% body fat to 135 pounds and 11% body fat, like massive body comp change was that I was like, Oh, I get it. So in order to be 135 pound lean muscular Terra, this is just how I eat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm not like going back to, yeah, I feel like sometimes people think that, right? They think there it's like, I be honest, like I was for a while eating much less than 175 pound, 40, 40% body fat me was eating, you know, I was like, oh, I get it. And the composition of what I was eating was so different as like veggies and protein and healthy carbs. So what I say is like, you know, obviously it depends on the person. If you're trying to do like a show and you're getting really strategic and all of this kind of stuff, like obviously we want to be more strategic about that. But for most people just listening to this, if you're in a, in some sort of health transformation journey and you need a break, try to just see how you do without tracking. If you can mimic what you've been doing pretty much and how you feel, you know, and if you really just need a break, like boost your nutrients, don't go eat like 50 million donuts. Like I don't do that ever. I'm in yeah. quote unquote maintenance mode. It, it, it's me mimicking what I've learned over the years and just integrating that into my natural lifestyle. So I just really encourage that for people. You know, it's like, look at how, this is how I live now. Mm -hmm. This is just how I eat. This is, this is my lifestyle versus, oh, this is maintenance mode. So I'm going to like have some weird mindset around it. It's like, no, you know how to eat now. Like eat like that. Go, let's see how you do. <laughs> so that's how I see it. Yeah, no, I, I actually really like that mindset. And uh, perhaps that's something I should note a little bit more. Um, just, just because I've been so focused on, you know, weight loss and, you know, getting into a specific body composition for my wedding coming up. And, and that's, yeah. I know that's relatively selfish for me to ask, but um, I, I've just noticed with some people when it comes to like deloads or even like trying to reduce weight when I was initially losing weight, I just kind of looking back over, and I'm like, you know, I probably could have been a little bit more easy on myself than I was just because, yeah. like I said, if you get into the extremes we we're kind of mentioned earlier, then you end up binging and uh, stuff like that. Yes. Yeah. I would say, you know, like for you, for example, which is a great example, because there's a lot of people and that, you know, they have this specific mm -hmm. goal of time making it, uh, it's, it's not exciting. You know, people always like, I'm going to go super hard on this and it's going to be freaking amazing. And I'm going <laughs> to post my pictures on social and everyone's going to be like, Whoa, bro. All right. But instead of getting into that mindset, just mm -hmm into a, I can maintain this. Like I, I did that whole day and this is, that's good. You know, you, if you get into these super low caloric restriction things, you will binge. I promise because your body's going to be like, Hey dummy, go eat a bunch of calories. This is stupid. Yeah. Stop starving us and nutrient depriving us like that. So very slow, sustainable. And then, cause then you will have more energy in your workouts. You will get better results long-term, you know, S making sleep a priority, de-stressing, not doing two-a-days. Like I see this and people, they're like exercising all they freaking can. It's like, yeah. I'm telling you, your metabolism will flow so much better if you decrease the stress. So go in, get the stimulus, show up at the gym, bust it and get out and then decrease stress, do breath work, go to sleep early, get sufficient sleep. I'm telling you that path is so much more optimal than this balls to the wall approach that leads to this, I call it the hamster wheel of hell of like, go as hard <laughs> as I can and get nowhere, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah no, 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 that, that completely makes sense. Um, 
So one thing I also want to ask you about, you did a bikini competition, correct? Mm -hmm. I did mm -hmm. not watch that video yet. That was something I really wanted to watch, but I was <laughs> too busy watching um, other interviews that you've done that I've really, really enjoyed. And I can't recommend people to go check out your stuff enough. You just have this wonderful energy about you. And that's a large reason why I wanted you on here. Um, what was, of course, what was that like? Because I got down to 179 pounds, I'm about 5'11", and I had visual abs and I think people have this image that if I just get shredded, I'm going to be happy. But yeah. I got that lean and I, I, I felt like shit. I wasn't happy. I'm like, I'm small. Like I'm used mm -hmm. to being a little bit bigger mm -hmm. and I just, I'm not happy with it. So now I'm mm -hmm. back up, you know, I gained 20 pounds from then to, you know, a couple months ago and I leaned back down just, you know, with specific goals. Can you speak to body image and what it was like to get to a bikini competition because i think people just have the wrong idea about it oh yes okay so my fitness journey started from a place of not enoughness marriage problems i'm not good enough i've got to earn my value I, so i basically went the route of like sorry to say but a somewhat typical competitor you know like even if they don't want to admit it and they might get mad at me hearing me say this I'm like no dude I know enough competitors and I've worked with enough that there is some value proving there is I will be more lovable I will get more attention I will be more liked if I look like this there is and there's usually a wounded moment in time that happened that triggered the whole thing right and so I did that path right I said I got to 11% body fat I didn't even know I was that lean I wasn't even done yet right and I got a DEXA scan and I was like oh my gosh, I did not know I was that lean. You know, people were coming up to me like, you should just get on a stage like today. Like you're like stage ready. I'm like, no, I'm not. You know, like I wasn't in a good place, right? So I went on a massive healing journey in the next, you know, three, four years, super deep, like plant medicines, tons of deep healer work, mindset work, you know, tons of coaching, just psychotically obsessed, which is what leads me here today, you know, because I healed my relationship with my body. I love my body. I truly have a real relationship with my body. I talk to it. I ask it what it needs. I tell it good job. You know, I'm very in tune with my body and very grateful for my body. And I would never put expectations on it like that. That's not even the energy I have with it. It's like, it's more like how I would treat my kids. You know, it's like, I'm here with you. And is there anything you need? And like, I believe in you and that kind of mentality. So that's where I was at when I started the bikini competition. Okay. And I was like, the reason I did it is because I kept getting clients that were coming off competing that wanted to do keto so they could stay lean forever. And I'm looking at every single one of these clients and I'm like, dude, these people are not in a good way emotionally, spiritually. They have pretty much disordered eating for sure. They're over exercising like crazy to the point of ruining relationships. You know, they're like isolated. All that matters is their body. They have bad blood work. Like it's not, they're not in a healthy place mentally and emotionally with their health. Right. And so I decided to do the bikini competition because one, I didn't want to talk smack on something that I've never done, even though I kind of experienced it. Not really. I didn't actually compete. And two, um, I wanted to see if maybe I was wrong, you know, uh, so, so the hardest part of that for me was I was like, gosh, can you drive yourself to that kind of extreme when you're not desperate? Right. Like in the beginning I was desperate, right? Like I had my ego attached to it. You know, I'm not lovable if I don't look good enough, all that stuff. But I was like, I don't feel like that anymore. So like, can you push yourself that hard when you, when you're good with your body? Like, why would I do that to my, you know? So, but I got there, I hired a really great coach out of, um, Arizona, and, um, I was able to get there. Um, I did two shows back to back. Now, let me preface this by saying I was like 13.8 or like 14% body fat before I started, uh, prepping for the show. And that's me just lifting like a boss and just intermittent fasting and just eating whatever I want, but maintaining a healthy lifestyle. Right. So I was pretty lean when I started, I got down to 10% body fat for the shows. Um, but afterwards I can tell you what, like I, I, I was shocked. I thought I've been in such a good place with food for years. I, I like turn into a different person. It was like my inner child needed to know that she could eat whatever she wants because I was eating 1300 calories a day and I've built my metabolism is pretty fast now. Like I'm like, I don't know what I weigh probably like anywhere between 145 and 150 is typical for me. 1300 calories is like lunch, you know? And so that was like, <laughs> 
really, really bad for me, you know, and I would get to the point where I would just be walking on the grocery store, just fan, like jealous of people. Jealous. I'm like, I want to be normal. Oh, I just want to go to do a campfire with my kids in the mountain and just like not care about any of the, you know? Yeah. Oh my gosh. And so, yeah, I binge like crazy afterwards. It was like, like the worst of the worst standard American diet, like sugary cereals, pop tarts, brownies, cookie, like anything I could get that like I hadn't eaten like that in years. All right. I'm more in the health optimization end of the industry. So it's all about like quality ingredients and regenerative beef and, you know, beyond organic if possible, you know? So it was like really crazy for me yeah. to be in that mindset. And I, for me, you know, as I look back, it took me a couple months to come out of it. It did. Um, I gained like 20 pounds in like a, a, less than two weeks, like a week in a couple days because of the water retention, eating all these high sodium, you know, inflammatory foods. Like it was crazy. Um, and my takeaway from that now, I, you know, I know not everyone does that. I know not all competitors do that. So I'm not saying that's like how it's going to go. I do know it's really common. <laughs> it is common. I'm not definitely not alone in that boat. I'm not saying it has to be that way though. But for me, what happened is after I came out of healing from that, I went and did another DEXA scan and I was like 12.8% body fat. Right. And I was like, dude, like what? So I went to like hell and back. I couldn't even like spend time with my kids as much. I was like doing two a days. It was just like misery for me, honestly. And I'm like, for me, just living my healthy lifestyle, sleeping a lot, eating to satiety, intermittent fasting, which is like kind of a breeze for me now, like two, for 3% body fat difference. Right. Like it was unbelievable to me. I, my takeaway was it doesn't have to be that hard. It does not have to be that hard. It does not have to be so, you don't have to be so obsessed with every single thing that's coming in your mouth and work yourself into the ground. It's not optimal in my opinion. It works for that sport. It, I, I'll give them that. You know what I mean? But what it does psychologically to people, I don't find it to be helpful um, on most regards in a health journey because you develop this belief system that you have to be hyper-focused and psychotically obsessed with your food and your exercise in order to look good. And you don't, you don't. So that was my report on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and it, it definitely seems like most like Instagram models, YouTube fitness models, they're in this phenomenal shape. And I feel like sometimes it, it, it almost encourages people to feel like mm -hmm. they're not enough because mm -hmm. like, um, for me, it took me quite a while to get comfortable in my own body is fucked up right. to say, and most guys don't talk about this kind of stuff, but for me, you know, I was 250 pounds yeah. and people made fun of me for the way I looked and not that it necessarily bothered me back then, but I see over time that I had body image issues. And now that I'm in a much more healthier place with both my relationship with food and the relationship with the way I look and the way I train, mm -hmm. um, now I realize, okay, I don't have to be shredded lean to be happy and to have my fiance be attracted to me or to feel overall good. Um, have you seen a lot of people when they get down to, you know, the body they want that they're just not happy as well? Oh yeah. And I mean, I think once you've been there mm -hmm. and you know, the mindset that it, that exists in someone to be in that like shredded, you can see all my veins, like super shredded place. Yeah. It's literally unattractive to me. Like literally, like it like breaks my heart, you know? Cause I know what is underneath all of that. It's yeah. like, it's not, I don't think it's a place anybody wants to go. And it's, it, I, I, I marvel at it, honestly, quite a lot. I'm like, why do we find that attractive? Like, why do, do human beings like applaud that? Is it, just because it's so different, you know, like what, what is it about us? Is it because we're an obese society? And so that looks healthier than obese. I don't know what it is, but once you've been there, like it's, it's, it makes me sad. Like, I'm not like, wow, look at that guy. He's so hot. I'm like, oh man, I hope he finds his healing. I, I, I know people are gonna be mad at me for saying that, but that's, mm -hmm. that's just at least in my experience of pretty much everyone I've known that's been that obsessed with their physique if they're hearing this right now, they'd probably be really mad at me. If they've come to a place out of it, they probably understand what I'm saying because you don't realize how, how much um, pressure is surrounding that physique, you know? And um, it's like, oh, I better not let this slip or I might lose my lovableness or my likableness or my attractiveness. And it's like, you know, once you're on the other side of this and you're healed, uh, people who are in a healthy place don't really find that attractive. And in, in my experience, because it's what's attractive is when someone loves themselves and has a healthy mindset and is treating their body with respect and isn't overly consumed with what their physique looks like, you know? So 
Yeah. Um, I think that, um, it's tough because most people who haven't achieved that look admire it. Right. Um, and it's, and then they compare themselves to that. And if anybody listening is in that bow, I'll just say like, happiness is part of health, right. And being happy with yourself and being happy with your lifestyle and being able to work through, because it's not just you. It's like literally every human being I feel like goes through, am I good enough? Am I attractive enough? I'm not as, you know, fit or pretty or handsome as that person and all that, you know, it's, it's developmental. Honestly, I see my kids going through it and I'm trying to help them work through that, you know, but if you can get to a place with yourself where you just love and honor yourself and it's not about how you look, you know, you, I always say that you get healthy as a result of loving yourself. You don't love yourself as a result of getting healthy. Right. And I think people think that if, if I get fit, I, then I'll love myself. That's where I was. That sounds like where maybe you were too. It's like, well, once I get fit, then I'll love myself. And it's like, no, there's a dangling carrot. They keep moving the finish line. And that's why you see people who are, you know, they have shredded, they're completely shredded and they don't feel like they look good enough yet. Right. Cause, and I, I try to help people understand that. I'm like, if you can't love yourself now, you won't love yourself then I promise. But if you will love yourself now, it will drive you towards taking care of your body in a way that you will get to a place where you're like, wow, I just, I feel good. You know, feeling good becomes the priority, loving yourself, being happy, having time for relationships and seeing what you're capable of and honoring yourself with good food becomes the priority, you know? So that's the shift there. Um, the, I think we're, I hope, I feel like we're kind of coming to, that's kind of going out of style, <laughs> that whole social media, like, look how shredded I can be, look at me thing. I feel like it's kind of like starting to dwindle, which is good, right. you know, and hopefully there's enough messages like us, you know, out there talking and saying, hey, we did that and it's not cool. Like, you, do, you don't want to do that. It's not necessary, you know? <laughs> so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And this morning I, I was kind of thinking about um, talking to you today and, uh, I was walking my dogs and I was listening to a economics podcast and I just kind of had this spark of the moment feeling it's like five 30. Right. And I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm happy. Right. I'm happy to be alive. Yeah. I'm happy to be walking the dogs yeah. and turn on some good music and there's nobody and nothing around. Right. It's just me and the dogs will walk along and I'm just going to enjoy the rest of my morning low, you know, low intensity, steady state cardio. And I feel like, you know, I, I go for a walk every single morning and that's just part of loving myself, right. Post meal, go for a walk, hit the road. And, and there's just something I enjoy about every morning. It's, you know, to yeah. unpack and just yes. feel good. It, it's not like I have to do this. It's, yes. I love doing this. So I do it every day. And I, I actually yes. feel worse if I don't. Right. And once you, you just like totally highlighted the most important point when it starts to become about how you feel more than how you look, the game gets so easy. And when people like, sometimes people will see that I have muscle. I get this comment all the time. It's wow. That's a lot of hard work. And I, and I, I say, no, no. <laughs> and they're like, what? And I'm like, I just, I don't feel like that. I don't feel like it was a lot of hard work. And I, you know, I, I emphasize this because I'm like, I think that's what you're missing. You think this is a lot of hard work. The way I see it is you saying that to me would be like me saying you drinking your morning cup of coffee is a lot of hard work. Right. How do you do that every day? Wow. That's amazing. I'm wow. Look at your consistency. I look forward to it so much. It is the highlight of my day because just like you, it's like, I get all these like creative brainstorms. I'm like a dog with my tongue hanging out energy. Like this is so fun, yeah. you know? And like, I wouldn't miss it. You know, I will, I will almost irresponsibly prioritize it over other things. I'm like, I can fit it in real quick. Cause like, I'm looking forward to the fun of it. And, you know, once you get past the main hub of like, uh, you know, there's a certain level when you're first starting where it's like, okay, you're building a new habit, you know, your old patterns are wanting to come in being like, ah, forget, it. I'm just going to watch TV and, you know, I'm, I don't feel like doing that today, you know? So there is some pushing of yourself and graining new patterns, yeah. but once you get past that and you get that high, you know, you get maybe a little caffeinated. If you can handle caffeine, you get your workout jam going, you know, it's just, it's so fun. You don't want to miss it. And then right. once you get to that place, it's just, ease you know it's just like i love doing that i love seeing what i'm capable of i love how i feel when i do that and that's the same thing with food too food is how do i feel after i eat that thing how do i want to feel i'm going to choose how i eat based on how i'm going to feel mm -hmm. right you know and that when you get to that place it becomes so much easier you know it's like the experience of 
exercise and the experience of eating is not a means to an end. Right. It is the end. It is just this. It's this. I just want to do this right now. Mm-hmm. I just want to eat this right now because I feel good when I eat this. Mm-hmm. You get to that place, the whole game gets easier. Right. So I only got you for a few more minutes. Um, you mentioned being shadow banned <laughs> on Instagram. And I thought it was really interesting that um, you said your reach was dramatically um, decreased because of some of the things that you saw going on around you. Um, if you can, if you're cool with it, can you kind of elaborate your thoughts on kind of what you saw going on in 2020 and kind of sure. everything surrounding that? All right, guys. Um, I'm absolutely thrilled with the uh, show's new sponsor. Um, I am now sponsored and uh, have an affiliate through LMNT Electrolytes. Um, I have used these electrolytes for years. Um, back when I used to do a lot of fasting, in fact, I used to drink sometimes I want to say up to seven a day, seven little packets. So um, the packets are full of all the electrolytes that you need to perform and hydrate yourself properly. Um, you need sodium for pretty much every single function in your body, despite what um, a lot of people may tell you. Um, sodium doesn't actually cause a lot of the issues that uh, people kind of would have you believe. So um, just real quick to give you a little bit of facts. Um, you don't need sugar to hydrate. Electrolytes and water don't require glucose to pass through the gut. The average American consumes over 60 pounds of sugar a year. And um, when it comes to athletic performance, um, you can actually lose up to seven grams per day in hot climate. So um, make sure you click on the affiliate link below to get all your hydration needs. And like I said, I'm super stoked to have these guys um, teamed up with the podcast and uh, just make sure you get your uh, electrolytes through Element. All right, guys, thanks. Yeah, I mean, I'm clearly very comfortable sharing it, even to the point of almost losing my whole business over it. You know, I, I made that decision and I'm a single mom. I got four kids, I've got a team. Like it was a heavy to say, I didn't take this decision lightly. I really thought about it. And I was like, for me, when it came to the point that they were going to start mandating vaccine passports to basically be able to go anywhere in public, that's when I was like, okay, this matters to me more than my business. Like literally I will figure something else out. I will train people in person at my house or something, but like it matters that much to me. I'm willing to lose access to my entire community. And I've got, you know, 50,000 on Instagram, 200 something thousand on TikTok. And I'm like, no, I'm gonna speak up. So for me, I love freedom. Freedom and fun are my top two values in life. So when I, I, I could care less if people want to get the vaccine, like I respect other people. Like if you feel like that's the best choice for you, get it. It comes to me to the point where we are rushing through data. We're rushing that we have literally no clinical trials completed on this brand new vaccine. And we're going to force people to inject it in their bodies when we have all of this compelling evidence about natural immunity. My thoughts were, why can we not make um, accommodations for people to stay at home if they would like to and let those of us who actually literally want to get it. I wanted to get it so I could build immunity to it. Let us keep running the economy. You know, it was just, it was so much control and force and we're going to take your freedom of choice away in such a shady way. Like it wasn't like, you know, when so many things aren't making sense to me, I'm like, no, I, if somebody's got to stand up, somebody's got to stand up and say, that's fine if you guys want to do it, but you're not going to force me to it to be a science experiment and stick something in my body that you guys have really poor data on, but you're just comforting us that it's safe and effective when we literally don't know that yet. Like when the first rounds were coming out, it's like, you don't really know that yet. We have no long-term data on this thing and you're going to force me and my children. That's when I got like, I was like, Mm-mm. like when they have literally no risk at all, I'm, that is not going to happen. And I just saw so much blatant manipulation with like little kids being superheroes for getting the vaccine and all this stuff. I was just like, I'm going to speak up. All I'm going to, I'm not going to tell anybody else what they should do. I would never be like that, but I'm going to speak up and just hold space because what happened was like, I mean, I feel like I was pretty divergent on this whole thing from the get go and I wasn't posting, but I would put little things in my stories here and there. And I would get hundreds of story responses in the beginning of this whole thing of people being like, hell yeah, like hundred, like exactly. That's how I feel, you know? And I was like, whoa, there's a lot of people out there that feel like this and nobody's talking about it in the beginning. Right. And so I was like, okay, 
I'll hold space. I'll hold space. So I just was sharing how I felt and, you know, it definitely got me some hate and lost me, you know, a couple thousand followers and I got reported a bunch of times. So I got shadow banned and stuff like that. But to me, um, I don't think it's right to have one authority saying what's right for everyone when we have thousands, countless health professionals having differing opinions, but they're not allowed to. And anyone who has a differing opinion from the powers that be gets shut down, censored. And if we don't agree with this one opinion, this one source that has financial interest in it, then now we, we, we don't get to have a voice anymore. It was like, uh, this is like, this is not okay. You know, <laughs> I'm not going to just stand by and watch this happen, you know? And so to me, it was honestly the most American thing that I felt like I've ever done in my life. Like I was willing to die for it. Literally. I was like, I will die for us to be able to have freedom to not be forced by the government to inject things into our bodies or we lose our entire livelihood and quality of life. Like, no, I'm not going to participate and sit by and do nothing while we set that standard for future generations for my kids and their kids and their kids. Like, no. So that's my thoughts on that. <laughs> no, no, that's, it's beautifully spoken. And it is absolutely true that it, it's so bizarre that we had one health authority telling us that this is the only way and this is the one way. And then come to find out now a year or two later that a lot of the measures that were taken, a lot of the things that were done were all for nothing. That um, being told mm -hmm. that you can't leave your home, well, that actually didn't stop the spread like we were told it would. Um, because yep. if you look at all the graphs side by side, um, the cases were pretty much virtually the same. Um, they told you if you get this shot, then you can't get COVID. Okay, well, <laughs> what happened? Everybody who got the shot got sick a little bit later. And now we're starting to see that even, you know, there's data coming out, different studies published that say yes. that this shot for younger children actually is harming them. The relative risk for myocarditis that ends in hospitalization, you know, to the tune of 90% um, yeah. of myocarditis um, people who, or people who get myocarditis from the shot, um, it ends in hospitalization. So the idea that we should just have this one authority and not have a decentralized network of doctors who are, be, you know, giving their, their patients informed consent is just bizarre to me. I mean, to me, it, it was just so blatantly obvious. I told you, I'm like, I'm not a political person. I literally don't follow politics at all. I'm just going off basic common sense. Mm -hmm. And when we have things happening, like we can see the correlation between I'm not saying causation because I know people are going to be all crazy. If, probably if they listen to your podcast, they're probably like somewhat in alignment <laughs> with us. Everyone, but, everybody's going to love this. Okay. Okay. Because <laughs> like we have so much correlated data with like the lower your vitamin D levels were, the worse your outcomes were. And right. then vitamin D got banned on Instagram. You couldn't even use that hashtag. Are you freaking oh. kidding me? Like how can that, how can you not see through that kind of thing? Mm -hmm. And then John, I forgot the doctor's name, but she from Johns Hopkins that did a study in the middle of all of this when they were first starting to push the kids vaccine. And she's like, literally, they literally have zero risk. The only kids who have had really adverse outcomes or death were like terminally ill, right. you know, like any other little cold might've done them in as well, you know? And so looking at that data and then the, the blatant, disgusting manipulation of like, you're a good person. If you compromise your immune system, not to mention like kids not being able to connect with each other. Well, like the, nothing was being considered. It was just do what we say. Or we're going to take away your job. We're going to take away your quality of life. You may not be able to shop at grocery stores. You sure as hell can't go to a restaurant in New York City. I was actually training for the New York Marathon for the third time I was trying to qualify for New York because I've qualified for it twice. Yeah. I stopped immediately. I was like, no, thanks. <laughs> no, thanks. You know, um, but to me, um, you know, this is kind of a good um, example of honestly, like how people can look at the health information that they're getting period online and understanding that just because somebody is a PhD researcher or gosh, especially an MD, sorry. But like when somebody <laughs> says they're like new on the nutrition scene and they're an MD, I'm like, how, what, hold on a second. You, they don't, are not even trained in nutrition. So like, I mean, I know they have some cool background stuff, but people are so likely to get kind of like uh, lulled away, you know, lured in by this, like, oh, they're an MD, they're a PhD. So they just know how it is. And if I can like push one thing, it's just everything is an opinion. These are all human beings who have lots of different backgrounds, lots of different data points. And this is their opinion based on what they have experienced and what they feel is true and a, a variety of reasons. So like 
just encouraging people, like when you hear a quote unquote guru, because I can't stand the guru mentality, like some health guru saying, hey, don't eat kale because it's going to kill you. Take it with a grain of salt. Right, you know, carbs are gonna tra- carbs are trying plants are trying to kill you. Okay, then why does Okinawa have the largest amount of centenarians and recorded hundred year olds plus in recorded human history? And the traditional Okinawan diet is eighty five percent carbohydrates. Explain that to me, you know. And so it's like we have to be mindful that we're experiencing an opinion. Everything I'm sharing here is just my opinion, even if it's my professional opinion, it's still an opinion, right. you know. And so just I think this was like a good example of like how we don't recognize that sometimes as a human collective, you know, we're like, oh, this is, these are the best experts in the world. So they just have the right answer. They know what's right for me. No, they have an opinion. They have an opinion, you know? And I think that if we are going to create a country in which people can't have differing opinions, I'm going to (laughs) run because I don't ever want to live in a country where we only get to have one opinion Mm -hmm. that the whole populace has to follow. (laughs) Right. And I think over the last two years, we saw that there are plenty of differing opinions, but uh, I really like what you touched on there. Um, You know, vet your gurus and you can trust, but you should always verify. Um, Tara, do you have anything else you want to mention or uh, do you want to do plugs and let's rock and roll? Oh man, just thank you so much for having me. Thank you for creating this space for us freedom loving health lovers. So thank you. And thank you for having me on today. Hopefully everybody listening got something out of it. Oh, I'm sure they will. Tara, where can everybody find you? Oh, Coach Tara Garrison on Instagram and TikTok. Um, if I don't pop up, I probably won't because I'm shadow banned on Instagram. <laughs> but it will be it'll be Coach Tara Garrison with little dots in between it. But if in the bio there, you can click my regular one and it will take you to my it doesn't have any dots in it, Coach Tara Garrison. And then yeah, TikTok, which probably some of your listeners were like, why are you on TikTok? Which I found recently, but I didn't know. Okay. <laughs> Just finding out about that. And then um, uh, Inside Out Health Podcasts. And then my book on Amazon is Short Term Keto. Nice. Nice. Well, uh, Tara, I really, really enjoyed this conversation. I think everybody's going to get a lot out of it. Um, make sure you go check her stuff out. All her stuff will be in the description below. And um, yeah, until next time, everybody take care. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.